The power suit may have lost its power. This is the focus group. It's the savvy side of 9 to 5. Listen. Bueller. 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 Laugh. <laughs> and learn. Negotiation. This is what you do in business. This is the focus group with Tim Bennett. S-T-A-U-N-C-H. And John Nash. Keep your clothes looking neat and clean. We're all business. Except when we're not. Welcome to the Focus Group. John Nash here with my good friend and co-host, Mr. Tim Bennett. Mr. Tim Bennett. Find us here every Wednesday live on Facebook and YouTube. Of course, all our media is available at focusgroupradio.com. That includes our video and uh, the audio version of the video, which is our audio podcast, including uh, the once a week on Tuesdays, Unbuttoned, about 20 minutes, three stories, political things that that, that kind of uh, Tim said it uh, the other day it's a different version of caught our eye I suppose but a little more three stories we think need attention pointed yeah it needs attention so again focusgroupradio.com and uh, welcome to the show want to thank Garrett and Steve in the booth and I think we have Robbie Bobby back there so I remember it's RB Robbie Bobby because one day he's like no it could be Bobby no it has to be RB Robbie Bobby Robert Barnes like RB Robert Barnes exactly oh so, Mr. Bennett, did you watch the debate last night? I saw parts of it, and actually, the part—well, the Democrat debate, Democrat chunks of it that were fascinating to me was when they talked about the dangers of automation and what that's going to do to the labor market. And did you, what did you think, in general? What did you think? <sighs> well, there you go. I, well, <laughs> you know, I don't think there's anybody that's exciting. And uh, or that is going to as as much as there's craziness on the other side that we all see and hypocrisy and all those other things taking place. I really think um, Joe Biden is showing his age. He seems to be lost. He seems to be stumbling with trying to get messaging out. Um, Elizabeth Warren, you know, she wants to give away the house. She went through this one whole litany of stuff. And the people I'm, I was with mouths just opened, and I was like, thanks, comrade. Because it's free school and free this and free that and free this and free that and free this and free that. And Biden did say that would cost you, if you took every single dollar away from the Pentagon, for yeah. instance, he said trillion dollars. You can't pay for it all. And, and then doing a value-added tax, I think, is absolutely wrong. A VAT? Wait, a well, VAT tax is what they have in Europe and what they have in Canada. So all your goods would be taxed an additional 9 to 14%. Of what you purchased. So, in, in foreign countries that have a VAT tax, that's the only tax. Or are no, they no, taxed no, 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 and no. There's then other there's other taxes. Oh, okay. It's a tax okay. on a tax. It's a value added tax. All right. So now if they say, well, you're not going to have to pay for health care or whatever, um, that may be one thing. But I just don't find, I like Buttigieg. I don't think um, maybe somebody will ask him to be to be VP, but it seems he to be it's shine through last night. Yeah, it's Biden. And I thought Amy Klobuchar, who I think is very well, she's already in Congress milk toast, so, yeah. but she actually did well last night. But it's it's um, it seems to be Warren Sanders and Biden as the top tier, mm -hmm. then followed by Buttigieg, Camilla, Kamala and Harris. The rest. Yeah. So but on I, Morning Joe, uh, they were talking about um, Claire McCaskill was on. And they right. specifically said to her, and she actually, she had, they had Pete Buttigieg on. And she said, you know, people call you centrist. I call you pragmatic. And, and what I think is missing in some of this, the Democratic stuff is who, who are the candidates that are appealing to Republicans who may, or new independents or Republicans that are leaning away from this administration who are in favor of a lot of things, but they're not going to be in favor of full freight for school. No. And they also know that the that you just can't stand on a stage and promise health care for all. It actually has to be. There's got to be a plan. It's got to be paid for. You know, I don't eliminating think eliminating all the college well, debt. All, all, all you know, here's an example. I don't think everybody loves their private insurance. There's no. a lot. There's a lot made about this bullshit. I love my private insurance. I think you have it. You you could rely on it for a few things, but there are many people that get caught in snafus on private. I got insurance. caught with snafus because I, the doctor requested I spend the night after my back surgery. I got socked with a six thousand dollar hospital yeah. bill. My insurance didn't cover because they said I wasn't authorized. I was under anesthesia. 
They, they lifted your hand up and they. <laughs> I mean, drag me home for yeah. six thousand bucks to give me an aspirin and let me sleep there and hear the lunatics in the asylum all night. I, t- I you know our, our insurance and the and the pharmaceutical business and the companies. I get all that. It's a mess, and we need to fix it. But I don't. I don't see how. I, I just don't see the 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 Democrats breaking through on some of this stuff. No, and you know, and I, on a, one more thing, I will say that Camilla is that how you say it? Amala, Amala, whatever. <laughs> I don't need a lecture from her about women's um, uh, women's bodies and the Supreme Court and all that stuff. You all didn't go out and vote. Women did not vote. A lot of minority women did not vote. And Hillary Clinton and all the everybody said this is more about the Supreme Court than anything else. So what? You got the court you voted for because you didn't vote. So now don't start lecturing me and lecturing everybody that they're taking away women's rights. It's called tough shit. You didn't go out and vote. Now you got to live with it. Yeah, I, I don't think that's a very popular um, point that's of view. Happened, uh, right? I, that's what happened. People stayed home. People, people stayed didn't home. like Hillary, and they were not yeah, overly thrilled Trump. with Trump. And so they didn't vote. There were mass, mass amounts of people. Trump only won by 78,000 votes. So think about all the people that stayed home as a protest or voted for Jean, whatever her name was, or the, 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 the crazy third candidate, yeah. the third candidate or for Bernie, or they were protest votes. So guess what? You got the Supreme Court that you voted for, which yeah. was nothing. So don't lecture me now about how horrible things are going. This is the government you put in. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, look, I'm not I, I've had this discussion with people, especially when it comes to women's reproductive rights. Um, we all believe a woman should a woman should decide what they want to do with their body. But don't go up there and lecture now about how upset you are about what's going on when you did not energize the yeah. base to get out and vote in the last go round of elections. That's true. And uh, and and I was just going to cap off what you were saying by Moody's investors recently did a they do a, an election year poll and it's based on three dynamics, the stock market, the economy, and I forget the third one, but it's been right 90% of the time in terms of presidential elections and their prediction is they've already figured out the electoral college numbers that, that Trump will win again. If you if you were looking at it solely on economy and the stock market performance it's a shoe-in. Yeah. And the other thing about the, the Trump administration, and I think the Democrats are missing this, is I think it was John Kasich said the other day, the Democrats have to stop talking about Trump and the impeachment in Ukraine. They've got to start putting actual things in front of voters. Like, I have a plan. Give me a reason to vote for you. Yeah, right. I want to go and reduce prescription drugs by this much. It's going to take a year to do it, whatever it is. But I hear from a lot of people the frustration that they have is that it doesn't matter if it was Trump that won the uh, presidency, if it could have been anybody else. They just want someone to do something. But look look at what's going on in the Senate. And the it's just a mess. Nothing, Nothing. Nothing to report. Uh, Moscow Mitch has got everything shut down on the Senate side. Com- com- comrade, comrade McConnell. Comrade McConnell. <laughs> mass, 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 mass massacre Mitch. No, there's a gun, the gun bills, all this stuff is just sitting there. Apparently, they're all meeting today at the White House. So, who is um, the Republicans and the, the senior leadership on the Republican and Democrat side are going to school him about Turkey and Syria? They said it was going to be a frosty meeting. So we'll see what it's happens. It's over. It's a, you know, and that that brings up another great thing about when, when Trump part of his campaign, and it wasn't rhetoric. He this is one of his promises. He he claimed he was going to keep was let's get out of the forever wars, yeah. the endless wars. Inherent in that statement, as one columnist said that I read the other day in the Washington Post, he said, in, if, inherent in that statement, there's winners and losers. For us to get out of a war, we have to say we're leaving. And right. that leaves an ally stranded yep. like the Kurds. Um, but he said, this guy said in the Washington Post, he goes, you know, to the vast majority of Americans who have been listening and watching this endless loop, uh, and trying to figure out, well, who are the Kurds and what, you know, like all the regional stuff. He said a lot of Americans just don't care. Right. It didn't impact other people. Like the impacts of those regional conflicts, we don't feel necessarily, unless it's a terrorist attack, like an ISIS thing. Um, the only way we would care is if they brought the draft back and everybody had skin in the game. So if everybody, regardless of class and socioeconomic ability, you had to go had to, serve. to fight. Like in Israel, everybody has to serve on, yeah. It would not be so easy to just say we're going to somebody else to do it. And I think Barnacle said it, right? Mm-hmm. He said, it's not going to be the kid from Greenwich, Connecticut, or from- Maybe the senator's son. Somebody from Iowa that's has volunteered because they've, they've decided they're going to, going to be patriotic or that it was a way for them to, 
to better themselves fighting these wars. And there's so many families that the wars just haven't touched them. No. I mean, the fact that we've been in Afghanistan for almost 20 years now and the Syrian conflict. So I don't disagree. I don't think anybody would disagree by saying, let's fix our infrastructure. Let's take care of things at home. Let's get our schools right, all the health care right. But you also have to be smart about it. You don't just abandon. And, and, and Turkey is supposedly a NATO ally. The, the whole thing to me is just... Erdogan, yeah, that whole Erdogan is no one's friend. I mean, except Putin now. If you, if, Iranians. If, I know people whose families live in Turkey. They're they're very Westernized individuals. They're, they're they're Turkish, but their families literally are like constantly on the verge of saying, "How do we move, get, out get out of here? How do you move the money out? How do you get out?" But they're they're still there. One of them's an academic. Strange stuff. So. Um, Bob's niece, Catherine, stayed with us this past week, and his sister, Sue, was visiting as well. And she was going to look at Skidmore, where I think Aaron McHugh went. Yeah. So it's the college tour, tour weekend. It used to be women's college. Hobart was another school. Hobart she was Williams. Looking? Hobart. Uh, Hobart Williams. Yeah. yeah. So where is that at? New York. G- Genesee? Like is, is, yeah, exactly right. Towards Rochester yeah. or something. So we were talking about her college essays, and Tim... How'd she decide on colleges? So she's looking... She she, lives in San Francisco. She did not want to go to school on the West Coast. So she didn't want to go up to Oregon or... And she's, I think as a safety, she's applying to some of the college... this the price difference is amazing. If she's a resident of California, she should really look at some of the California schools. But she wanted seasons and she wanted to be on the East Coast. Um. We were talking about something called the Common Application. Have you heard right. of this? Yeah. You know about this yeah. from your because you were at uh, you sat on your alumni board right at Marietta. Marietta. Yeah, everybody. I had never heard of this, common. but the Common Application is for basic information. Right. And then different schools have different things. She began to read to me. She had to do three essays for one school. Each essay had to be 150 words or less. That's not an essay. That's like a. Well, that's hard to do. You know, the, the shorter something is, the harder it is Brevity, to, get your, to, yeah. right, to get your point across. She read something about a moment that uh, where things did not go as she thought they would, and it changed her perspective of the world or something. And I'm like, and you have to do this in 150 words? I'm going to say this right now, that if, that if I were that age again and I were facing the college admissions thing, it's a job by itself. It's a job. Did you have, do we have to do this? I don't remember. We do essays. I remember an essay, but it wasn't like it was of your choosing usually, or maybe there was a broad topic. I think things were a lot. Um, I think students now, at least my experience with the students that I've encountered or, or been involved with, and I'm using Marietta and a few other little schools that I've uh, been in touch with students from. I think kids are a lot more serious now than when we were in school. Way more serious. Way more serious. And I think the rigor is the academic rigor is a bit more to it. I look at some of these kids and what they're doing. I'm thinking I wouldn't even get in here now. I <laughs> knowing what they're what they're what they're doing and the sort of kind yeah. of research and things they're doing um, to me seems to be. Uh, the, you nailed it, and tough. I'm not even sure that the SATs play a role other than an annoyance test you got to take because apparently some of this stuff her her they're going away. They're, they're not even looking at after it. school activities, her plans, but. As a, well, what, what, 18 years old? Are you 17, 18, freshman Yeah, 17, 18. The questions they were asking about career, uh, oh, uh, and one of the essays was, tell us about how you choose to, how you will live a life of consequence. So she looks at me and she says, Uncle John, she goes, what does that even mean? I said, well, a life of consequence means that you contributed, you made a difference, you helped somebody. I said, it's a pretty broad thing. I said, you know, you could say that Marie Curie led a life of consequence because she discovered, you know, like you but could, you never knew she was going to do that. You know, exactly. Say 18, I decided I'm going to love life of consequence. Yeah, I'm going to create world peace. So then we had dinner and then we were having dessert. And then the conversation shifted to, uh, sexual orientation and gender. And I was, so, you know, all these applications, there's a whole big section now for pronouns. You, 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 she literally shows us, and it's like you have to choose me, I, she, he. You know, you have to check off the pronouns you want to be known by. And well, that had to be Skidmore. It, it, <laughs> that's right up there with Wesley. Apparently, according to uh, Catherine, it's on a lot of the applications now. And then, then, the, then it kind of evolved further to her, her mother, her Susan, saying, "Parenting nowadays is a very different thing because kids." It's a different world. 
And Catherine was asking me and Bob about like, when did we know we were gay and how did that affect school? And I'm like, well, it did and it didn't because back when your uncle was younger, I said, um, you didn't talk about it. If you figured it out, you figured it out, you needed to keep your mouth shut because it's not like what we have yeah. today, right? So what we have today though, seems to be almost as confusing as when, it, when we were younger. I, I don't want to equivocate the two, but now you're you're presented with a wealth of things. Where are you on the spectrum? What's you know? Well, and there's gay characters on TV, which mm-hmm. we didn't really have. You assumed, but yeah. Well, Doctor Smith on Lost in Space was definitely a role model. Charles Nelson Riley, or <laughs> Gomer Pyle on, on the. Bow, bow, what does she want to study? Uh, she wants to. Uh, she wants to go into medicine eventually. So she's she's kind of puzzling about this whole four year thing because she knows it's going to be six. Or whatever the, right. the. So did she look at school she got in already, or she's yet to apply to? She's applying while touring. Oh, looking, okay. And um, I did say to her, you know, uh, Tim often talks about, and she knows who you are because they listen right. to the show. And I said, Tim often talks about the the smart uh, tactic of choosing a good community college, get your basic curriculum done for the two years, and then and nail it, really nail it, do really well, and then go to one of the schools of your choosing for the last two. And she's actually thinking her fallback, fallback plan may be the California school system for the core curriculum. You get your biology 101 and your yeah. English 101. I will say the only thing that I, and I told her this, I said the only thing that does do is it eliminates two very formative years on yes. campus. So maybe core curriculum is kind of bullshit on one level, but you're going through a lot of different things as a young adult. Meeting people and... And negotiating friendships and all that stuff. So Something to be said, you and I were fortunate enough to be at four-year schools where we were away. Mm-hmm. And it does... It does I, I remember, And I remember you and I going home and seeing some of our high school friends that did not go away. And there was a vast difference between how much you and I had matured or kids who had gone away to school had matured versus kids that stayed around just because you didn't have any fallback and there was no cell phone, no nothing. You need your laundry done. You need mm-hmm. to figure out how you're going to eat. You need to get a job on campus. You need to make money to survive during the during the school year. Yeah, there was no. no yeah, that's a funny daddy. thing you just brought up about our high school friends that didn't go away. It was a. It was kind of like a vector, you know. And as the years went by, the gap between them and us they, it grew wide actually yeah. because they stayed in the town. It was very insular. Um, so that was a kind of a fun visit. It was kind of, we call it a drive-by shooting because they came late in the afternoon on Sunday and left very early on Monday morning for Skidmore, but it was a great time. And she's, she's a beautiful young lady, very poised and, and, uh, well, I have two funny. friends. I don't know what kind of medicine she wants to go into, but I have two friends that went to Skidmore that, uh, are both, um, pretty well-renowned podiatrists in Chicago. Really? So it does have a very good pre-med program. <laughs> So that's, I didn't even realize that's why she was looking at it. I, no, thought, I mean, you know, if you, when you said right. she wanted to go into medicine, yeah. I, I have a couple of friends that, uh, that are, that are well regarded within the podiatry profession and they both had gone to Skidmore and, uh, majored in, in pre-med and then went on to med school in Pennsylvania. I wonder, I, I should ask her what she, next time I see her or when I text her, because that's one of the things they do, right. Is uh, I want to figure out what she wants, but she really likes the idea of, Curing people, helping people, medicine. As you said earlier in this conversation we were having, I don't really remember. Ex- I, I'll say, I'm going to sound so cheesy when I say when I went to school, I chose Binghamton as the fallback because I had a film program. Because I, at the time, I wanted to be a special effects technician, right. which didn't exist. But you still do. <laughs> I guess that's why I love animation and all that stuff. Um, it, but that was a that was a job that barely existed, and no one was teaching it. So you had to kind of make it up as you went along. But so that that was my uh, weekend and part of the week. So does she, so is she just looking at these two schools back east, or should she have some more? There's a couple more. Yeah. There's a couple more. It's um, and we're talking sixty, seventy thousand. I was just going to say it's it's. I don't know, and and that goes back to the whole. Um, issue about the cost of education. It really is out of reach for so many people anymore, unless you get full scholarship or you're, you've got some sort of athletic ability that a school, particular school mm-hmm. wants, wants for you. But I, I don't know how, I'm not sure if I had children, I'd be able to afford to send them to the schools that maybe I'd like them to go to just because it's, well, well we have you, friends, we have friends who've done that, that have drained their retirement to, to, or they had, well, to school. It's not that they drained it, 
They right. didn't put into it. Yeah. So I know of people too who have suspended all retirement contributions for a five or six year, maybe even seven year period to get that chunk of money. Yeah. Well, those seven years and the cumulative dollar to you know the dollar cost averaging the whole bit—that's a big loss year. Well, there's no guarantee. I had a friend of mine that works at one of the, I won't mention the name, but one of the Ivy League schools, and he said that a lot of parents are coming in wanting guarantees. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay upwards of three or $400,000 for my son or daughter to go here for four years. They, What's yeah. the guarantee? Yeah. Well, there isn't one. <laughs> yeah, I know. So what, what kind of, there isn't one. So if you, if you had to no do guarantee it, you're going to get you into the do best it over again. grad school or... Like you and I, did we even apply to some of the, did you apply to like some of the Ivy Leagues at all? I don't even remember. I wanted to. I had a cousin that had gone to Dartmouth. Dartmouth's a good school. And I wanted to go to Dartmouth. but I love the name, by the way. But I knew my SATs would not even get me close. He later on yelled at me for not applying because he was on the trustees or whatever. But even if I got in, my family couldn't afford it. I mean, there's well, no way I put ourselves through schools. Right. I mean, I, I had, I'd wanted to go to Syracuse. I couldn't afford Syracuse. Um, well, Syracuse, Syracuse was expensive. School. It was expensive when we, when we were in the end, it was 13 or $14,000 and I had no aid. That's before campus expenses, right. books. Food. So, okay. but, but that's so, which, which I ended up at going to UConn or paid my deposit at UConn, but then took the ride, the fateful ride out to Ohio with Marianne and Jennifer ended up at Marietta and got a, got love. A, and good, that's a great, got school. a great scholarship great and, school. And uh, and nice financial aid package. So hey, look, Binghamton I've, was cheaper than UConn. Yeah, you well, and I UConn were was outrageous. University of Connecticut sto at stores, the yeah. main campus. I remember when Binghamton accepted me, I was like through the roof because it was the second best state school in the country. Ex Stanford was above it. Well, it still is a great. And do you know? I, here's another thing that I uh, I think I might, I might have mentioned to you on a text or an email. I never toured Binghamton. Yeah, you had said that you'd never been there. In fact, my parents were. I mean, <laughs> the world's smallest violin's going to play. They were totally absentee in this. I didn't get, I didn't, I didn't get taken to any campus except for a Hart School of Music outside of Hartford where Lisa went, maybe. But the first time I rolled up to Binghamton was the first time I ever saw that campus. Wow. Which is, when you think, I, I just hit me. I'm like, wow, I never did the college tour thing because it was either going to be, um, well, I was accepted at all five schools. One of them I wanted to go to is RIT, was uh, Rochester Institute of Technology oh, really? for Film. Kodak was a big yeah. funding back then. But I remember reading somewhere that the winters in Rochester were like brutal. <laughs> As opposed to Binghamton? Well, Binghamton was bad, <laughs> but you know. No, I looked at Babson, I looked at Bentley, and I looked at a bunch of those those schools too. But I, I, really, I really wanted to go to Syracuse was kind of where I wanted to go. But Bob went. Bob all, and his sister Sue went to Syracuse. Yeah. They both went. It all ended up, you know, I'm glad I, I went to college where I did. If I were to do it again, I've told you this, and I always recommend this to people. <laughs> I've talked to people about this. I've hired kids that have done this. We had we laugh about the one woman I hired from Yale who yeah. majored in birdhouse architecture. Nothing but a big party with a $100,000 cover. Another, another guy from Harvard that majored in Scandinavian studies. I'm like, how did you pick these things? Yeah. And another, another guy, animal husbandry. I'm like, what? How animals mate because these these schools have every single program in the world. It'd be like your friend who teaches German, right? If you said you wanted to go to Williams College to learn and major German, German, you're in. Oh my gosh! Because the program has slots wide open, full of professors, right? That they want to keep, that they need students to in the funnel. But what kid is going to school now to learn German German, German literature? So if you pick some obscure major at one of these Ivy Leagues and you talk to the professors or you talk to the faculty heads or whatever, so much smarter than saying, "I want to manage your business." The, and you know what's brilliant about that idea? And this is a, like a strategic decision. We have found in our long careers in business that whatever you studied in college has zero to do with what you're doing four or five years later. It's the name of the school. So if you got into Yale, let's say. For birdhouse architecture. Birdhouse architecture. Three years later, doesn't matter. What, what was your degree in? I got my degree from Yale. You don't have to say birdhouse. I, I got a bachelor's of arts or an engineering degree. I said, well, I, and I remember asking her, I said, birdhouse architecture. I'm like, it's it's four pieces of wood nailed together in a roof. And she laughed. <laughs> she said, listen, I'm the only one from my high school. Who, she goes, I she goes, I got in because of sports in my high school. <laughs> and I, you know, <laughs> she was smart enough where somebody told her how to play the game. We didn't know how to play the game. <laughs> 
No. Well, we were barely paying attention. We were playing games. Right. That or get a Wyoming email box. We, we were, get we a were, Wyoming post office box. That's another thing when schools look for diversity. You know, pick some obscure state. I'm from South Dakota. You're in. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go back in time and change it all now. Right? <laughs> all right, moving on. What caught your eye? What caught your eye? Here's what Tim and John found. Well, everybody knows that the straw has been a problem. <laughs> Supposedly. The straw is right up there with that thing that holds a six-pack of soda together because the no- dolphins I get I cut there. them all the time. Yeah. yeah. I cut them in little pieces them, so yeah. the, they don't get around the birds' necks. So the pasta straws now are a big thing. They started in Italy. They're called strudels. So the Italians are get, getting rid of all the plastic straws, and they're using these strudels, they're calling them. Are they made of pasta? Made in England. It's pasta, so they're pasta straws. And they say they're actually better than paper because paper could take up to 60 days to, um, to break down in a landfill. And uh, these strudels, actually, they said could, they, they could, uh, they're vegan. They can be easily resized to fit any drink. This. Although they're not recommended for hot beverages unless you want a noodle soup. But you shouldn't use a straw in any hot beverage because you burn yourself. So uh, they said they decompose overnight. Overnight. After use without any extra action, far shorter than the average breakdown of paper, which can take up to 60 days. Um, they're rec- recommended, I said, for, for cold drinks. How do drinks. we find strudels? They're flavorless. They're biodegradable. Um, and they said that the technology has been around forever. And you can buy them by the box. So right now you can get a box of, a box of 12 for four, which is too high high of a price. Well, for $4? You get 100 for 15 but so this company is trying to make them less um, less expensive as they catch on, because essentially it's just a bucatini noodle that's been long. <laughs> essentially, it's a... what? Uh, seriously? Bucatini, B-U-C-A-T-I-N-I. And they just extrude it, cut it. Yep. And they, I, uh, they said there's a total of 500 million uh, Garrett, straws a year. Got something to say about this? <laughs> Have you tried this? I drank a mojito out of this last weekend. Whereabouts? Seriously? I went. To, uh, I was in Portugal, and uh, we went to a bar, and we got a mojito, and they had a big pasta straw in it. Now, here's my question. Well, I've sucked on a piece of hard pasta before. That, it gets a little mushy. It get, This was really hard, though, and at least I, I kind of sucked the mojito down, so I didn't. I wasn't like hanging know, it, sipping hanging it. Around. Yeah, yeah. So, but it didn't get soft. I was thinking that too, but it didn't. Because I always thought the flavor with the flour, because it's made out of flour, I was thought it'd get pasty or gooey, but. They said in the U.S. we use 500 million plastic straws a day. Wow. 500 million a day. So this is a great thing. I think it's a great idea. So did you, is that the first time you've, you tried one? First time, yeah. It was weird. I thought it was maybe like a weird Portugal thing or something, but no, it wasn't. Yeah, they said it started in Italy, so I'm wondering when it's going to make its and way Garrett, here. And Garrett, Portugal? What the cool. How long were you there for? Uh, eight days. Did you have a good time? Yeah, it was fun. I hear it's a beautiful country. It really is. Did you yeah. stay just in Portugal or you go to Spain? No, we uh, flew into Lisbon, then stayed in the Algarves the whole yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so southern Portugal. I didn't even know you did this. With your girlfriend? With my girlfriend. Yeah, remember I told you guys, and then Tim was like, you're going to propose? Oh, propose? that's no. the trip. That's the trip, yeah. <laughs> I bet I, she's disappointed. Probably. <laughs> she, got a, she, she got a pasta straw out of it. <laughs> Get used to it. <laughs> <laughs> she got a pasta straw out of it, though. The, did, so was it only the one place you saw the pasta straw? One or? place, yeah. yeah. It was, uh, we got, got let off on this like little island. There was a beach bar, and we went there, and it was like $4 mojitos, and you got a pasta straw. That's a great, it's a great I idea. Think it's a I great think. idea. Yeah. And I'm glad that Garrett tried it. And so can you get these here in the U.S.? Did you say that? Well, the, the, there's a company in England that's marketing them called Strudels. And that's where they said that uh, that's when they gave Gosh, the price. I wonder if you can get them on Amazon. They've got to be. Well, they've got to be. They And you can buy them off the web, too, it says. It says, we want to inspire the world and show easy it is to do good with just one strudel at a time, the website reads. With strudels, you don't have to change your behavior and compromise your drinking experience. And uh, but I I think once they can get the price down, I can imagine a lot of restaurants using these. Like a pound of pasta costs a dollar in the store. Right. So why would yeah. so why would, why would a box cost four dollars? Yeah. Then right. you just throw them down, then heat them up, and have a dinner. Exactly. <laughs> I think what? the cool drink keeps it from getting soft too. Yeah. That's yeah. A deal. It helps. Yeah. Well, I like to try it. I've I've bitten off the ends of a licorice stick. You know, like a like a Twizzler and you drank like licorice, out of that. Yeah. But it gets kind of gooey. Yeah. Well, that's Tim's way of saving the whales. <laughs> Save the whales. So that's what caught my eye. Mine's super short. Uh, I think yours wins the cake uh, or the prize today. I love that. And I wrote it down because I think I want to look for those. Strudels. And try, strudels and try to find them. 
The headline really did this for me. Um, student buried by avalanche develops seizures triggered by Sudoku. You know that game Sudoku? So, uh, game. Sudoku. Sudoku. Uh, the the grid of nine by nine, three by whatever. So that's when everything has to add up, right? Yeah. A 25-year-old avid skier suffered brain damage after surviving an avalanche. So this young guy uh, was on a ski trip in 2015. He's a German student. He was uh, overcome and buried by an avalanche, and he actually was buried for up to 15 minutes where he was deprived of oxygen. He was rescued, so good, good outcome. But after his rescue, he started experiencing muscle twitches following the accident. And the muscles around his mouth would twitch while talking, as would his leg muscles during walking. So it wasn't constant, but he would have neurological issues. However, the student later realized his left arm shook uncontrollably when he concentrated on Sudoku puzzles, states the case. Doctors think that, and fast, they, they mapped his brain, and they figured out that when he would go into problem-solving <laughs> mode for the Sudoku, it was to a part of the brain that was damaged, and he would start shaking uncontrollably. So they're like, well, what do we do? And guess what the prescription was? Oh, do no, don't. <laughs> that was the doctor's right. Doctor says, okay, you want the seizures to stop? Stop doing Sudoku or whatever. It was Sudoku, whatever they pronounce. Have you done those puzzles? I've tried and I gave up. Do they drive me crazy? Well, you and I don't like numbers. <laughs> we like numbers when it relates to our bank account and a few other things. But, but I, I, I never understood. Well, you're supposed to add up. Everything's supposed to add up the same. Grid, or grid, grid, yeah. Do you all play those puzzles? It's one through nine is in each box. Yes, and then right. each row and each column. One through nine. So it's not adding. It's just figure. You know, only one number one can be in a row or a column kind of thing or a box. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. If you play, do you play it? You played it to. in Portugal with the, the, the pasta straw and the mojito. I don't even know how to do the stupid thing. Every I thought everything had to add up to the same. same I could I never it get to... it to work. No, no wonder why I don't know what I'm doing. Each row has to have one, each a single digit one through nine only. So there can't be a one in two number ones in the same row. So why don't you just go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine? Because yeah. each column has to have one through nine, too, without repeating. And then each, there's nine boxes it's made up of. Each of those nine boxes. Oh, it's has not to just one nine boxes. Nine. Yeah. Basically, what he's saying is it's stupid. Don't play it. <laughs> yeah, I. Yeah, I'll stick with solitaire. Thank you on my iPad. That's one of the. We're not Sudoku boys. <laughs> That's too bad. I thought maybe something we could pick up. Yeah. <laughs> You're always looking for something new, aren't you? Something we could pick up. Something a new game. Up. Let's play this. No. Poor thing, shaken with a Sudoku puzzle. But but I love the fact that when they took him to the doctor and, and all the symptoms were analyzed, the doctor's like, well, the solution is to just stop playing that game. And then the seizures went away because <laughs> it was attracting the bad part of the brain. So it's like, I had a, it reminds me of the, I had a car dealer, a woman brought her car and she said the antenna made too much noise when she went to, you know, she'd drive fast and the antenna would Remember make antennas, noise. antennas, yeah. So he goes, I got a quick fix. She goes, you do, you do. And screwed so it. He gets, now he gets in the car, starts it up, he cranks the radio. <laughs> yeah, that's what you do. And Turn the radio up. <laughs> you know, that reminds me of when we, our last Outback, we had the rear wheel bearings were going. We didn't know it, though. And Emma, my oldest niece, was visiting us for the weekend, and we were driving up to Massachusetts to go to a museum, and that they make noise when they're going. Zee, zee, zee. And, like, yeah, the and so we're like, she goes, I hear that noise. And Bob goes, Grump, turns it. He goes, now you don't with the radio. Turn the radio up. And, we're, and she's like, you know, she goes, Uncle Johnny, she's screaming from the back. She goes, we have the same car. It doesn't make this kind of noise. I'm like, well, ours does. Find out when we go to the dealer. He's like, man, your, your rear, rear wheel bearings are shot. It's under warranty. I remember when I got in the car after the repair and it was dead. And the radio was like... <laughs> Like the time we were down in Florida, and we were, turn it up, turn it up. Yeah, that was another story. So what was the business birthday today? Everyone does celebrity birthday greetings. But well, the well, Focus Group is the only show in the universe that celebrates business birthdays. Celebrating today, although he's dead, the, um, he was born October 16th in 1845. He died in 1925 at 79 in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Underwear magnate, Pleasant Haynes. Not a nice name. Pleasant. Pleasant. So Haynes really is the family name of... Pleasant. I am a Haynes. I wear Haynes t-shirts. Yeah. So Pleasant, he actually fought uh, for the South in the American Civil War. He served as a special courier for Robert E. Lee 
After the war, he and his brother John, now why one brother was named John and one was Pleasant, I don't know, but so John and Pleasant uh, started the P.H. Heinz Tobacco Company, which became the third largest tobacco distributor in the USA. So someone bought them then, right? So in the 1900s, they sold the tobacco company to R.J. Reynolds for $175,000 and took their money. They oh, split 175000 Yeah. What year was this? 1900. Oh, okay. <laughs> so they split their money. Pleasant went and made underwear, and his brother John uh, did a sock factory. There's a joke in there somewhere. I, <laughs> I Here's what I don't understand. Out, but... So this was in the early 1900s, so say 1910, 1900. So Pleasant's making underwear, the brother's making socks and stockings. It wasn't until 1962 they merged the two brands <laughs> and became Hanes brands. So they that said- That long? Yeah, which I found odd. They, they said that they ring, merged- Ring, 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 How's the merged. underwear business? It's good. How's the sock business? Good, click. I mean- So there was, so there was Hanes Knitting and Hanes Hosiery in 65. In 78, they also had Hanes Consolidated Foods. You know it as Sarah Lee. And, that uh, was Sarah Lee. Yep, and they all were purchased together. Remember the, by, you remember the uh, the jingle for that? That's da, 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 nobody. Nobody does it like Sarah, Sarah Lee. Lee. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> we're kids of television. I can't, you know. So in September '06, Sarah Lee spun off its branded clothing to uh, and and started another separate company called Hades Brands Inc., which okay. designed and manufactured and sold a whole number of things. I didn't realize this. So Hanes has uh, Champion, yeah, Playtex. I didn't know play Tally, which I don't know. Just my size, barely there. Wonder bra, legs, C9 by champion, do a fold, beefy tea, outer banks, a whole bunch of others. I didn't realize they had so much stuff. They were famous for their um, for their tagline. Do you remember what the tagline was? 1970s. Oh, something about comfort. Gentlemen prefer Hanes. Gentlemen prefer Hanes. That's it. So they know. changed it in the 90s to the lady prefers Hanes. Hanes. And then they uh, they brought on Michael Jordan and a bunch of people to uh, I remember that. Do the whole tagless thing. Mm -hmm. Then they brought in Charlie Sheen in 08, but they didn't keep him long because when he went a little crazy, there was domestic yeah, it was violence. A, it was charges. a bad, yeah, it's yeah. a bad celebrity alignment. I'll say, yeah. So yeah, so pleasant. Happy birthday, pleasant. That is, you'd think the brothers would have said to themselves, "We're in the." Uh, we're in the furnishings business, the undergarments business. Right. Why don't we just make it all one big thing, right? Yeah, I, 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 and I tried to find out, interestingly, there's more written about the brother John with a sock business than Pleasant. It was hard to find a lot of information out about him, but I came across and I thought, well, this is one we haven't done. Oh my God, I, you haven't done Haynes at all. And no. I did, Greg and I, my old uh, business partner, did a stint for Longhame's car in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. That's Who? what- Long, uh, Longhame's car. What's that? It's, they're gone. They were bought by Mullen, the Mullen shop in Boston. But it was ad agency. And oh, we, and we ad, were brought okay. down to save the Winston cigarette That's account. That's right. I remember the cigarettes. I remember one time I finished, because we were in the office every day, they'd ro roll the cigarette cart around and it, it stank because the- People smoke at their desks? They, the client insisted that people smoke in the agency because they're selling cigarettes. And one day I got this, I, uh, my phone was flashing and, and, and it's you, you were driving somewhere. Winston tastes bad like the, the water, water I just had. had. No filter, no taste. It's a $3.25 waste or something. What cigarettes were that cheap? <laughs> we actually did come up with great creative. Uh, did they but, use it? Yeah, they did. Um, the first way we came up with it was shot down. And that's where I learned that uh, cliche, self-loathing eureka. The first work that comes out of your head is usually a cliche. And when someone tells that to you, you get upset with yourself. How could I come up with it? Self-loathing. And then in the self-loathing comes the eureka moment where you have the... And the eureka moment for me was all over Winston-Salem, wherever we went on the counters of all the, like the, the delis and stuff, there were free packs, uh, boxes of book matches. matches and they're all Winston. So I said, Greg, we should do a campaign about Winston matches. Maybe they've been to famous places. So we did this whole thing where it was like a big ad in the middle was this little to size Winston thing. When we presented those, they were like, oh my God. And the client, I think ended up using it. But I didn't realize that Haynes was based there because they had an enormous uh, outlet store there. Oh, so you were in heaven. And I thought, oh my God, it's Haynes. But it turns out that was one of their main corporate headquarters, Winston right? Winston-Salem, North right, Carolina. Yep, there you go. Yep. And that's where he died. And that's also where I saw the movie The Orchard House Rules, uh, which was a main mainstream movie, but they had it in the art cinema. So for down there, or Orchard House, you know, <laughs> The Orchard House Rules was art. All righty. You understand. Yeah, you understand. 
So, uh, as many of you know, Deep Discount is a partner of ours here on the Focus Group. Uh, we would like you to visit them by going to focusgroupradio.com, clicking on their logo, which is a shark. Arr! And I do the pirate for the shark, and the shark's name is Sharky. The puppet may return one of these days with a... Halloween. Maybe not. Maybe the week after Halloween. <laughs> Keep them guessing, right? So uh, this week, folks, uh, the sale is Salute to the Military. And uh, that's a pretty broad one because a lot of movies take place on combat zones or with or their profiles. What did you pick? So I picked a movie based on fact. It's an action-packed World War II epic, which co-stars Cliff Robertson, Vince Edwards, Carol O'Connor, and William Holden. Cliff Robertson, really? Yeah, and I... And William Holden. Right. I had a clip of this on YouTube that I used to watch. So the clip... Uh, on YouTube, and I didn't know actually it had come from this, so it was kind of funny how I got to the movie. But there's a ragtag group of American military guys and a Canadian. What, what war is this? World War II. World War II, okay, sorry. And the Canadians are sending a uh, regiment to come join them, and they're going to have to do this impossible task of going into this Nazi stronghold. And the Americans are all disheveled and tattered and the canadians come like you can't believe with the bagpipes and the whole deal perfectly done with the arms are flailing the and, and the americans are all just standing there looking at them like i can't believe look, look, look what's coming down the road and so there's this long and it's just and it's funny to watch because there's this long stretch of this very perfect canadian military uh regiment coming and the americans just kind of trying to straighten up but so the story is about um this U.S. officer is William Holden, and he gets this. They, they said he has to form this unit into a cohesive group of what he says are a bunch of ragtag American military convicts and a well-trained Canadian unit. So it's kind of this clash of cultures. It says despite their differences of backgrounds, the mismatched soldiers proved to be a formidable fighting force, which earns them the dangerous mission as they are ordered to capture a nearly inaccessible Nazi stronghold. The movie's called The Devil's Brigade came out originally in 1968. You can get it on Blu-ray for $29.95. I'm sorry, for $18.28. It was originally $29.95. You saved close to 40%. So it was um, it was funny how I'd come to it because I remember watching the clip. And, and the, clip was, the clip sounds amusing. So it's funny that both of us chose movies that the military angle, but there's humor in them. Yeah. And it, I mean, obviously World War II is not funny by, by any means, but it was... Uh, but I thought it was interesting because of the kind of this merging of, and that's a lot of what happened in World War II, right? There oh, were yeah. a lot of these groups that were just put together to try to do the impossible. And I love the idea of the Canadians showing up all spit and oh, polish. They got the, they got the yeah. tams on, <laughs> bagpipes. <laughs> and the other guys like. The other guys are convicts, essentially. <laughs> they're American military convicts, all ragtags. So. And they're, and they're uh, recruited for the Devil's Brigade. Devil's Brigade. All right, so I chose a true story. I chose a movie that I believe was actually made into a TV show. I, I'm not 100 I didn't research it enough. Uh, Operation Petticoat. Yes. And uh, the original Operation, the, the very first movie starred Cary Grant and Tony Curtis, as some of you know from Some Like It Hot, and everybody knows Cary Grant, and they serve on the USS Sea Tiger. It's a sub that's on its last legs until the handsome skipper, Cary Grant, is ingenious if slightly unethical junior officer, of course, Tony Curtis, scavenged the parts and supplies needed to put the sub back into action. Um, Forced out to sea prematurely by an enemy attack, the sub leaks and limps until along until five stranded army nurses come aboard and initiate their own renovations. So there's two versions of Operation Petticoat available. There is a special edition where they show the sub. Remember they paint it pink at one right. point? <laughs> but there's a lot of good talent in here. Dick Sargent, Gavin McLeod, Madeline Rue, Marion Ross. Marion Ross wow. was Happy Days, right? She, yeah. So she was one of the nurses on there. Uh, so I picked... Uh, oh, and, oh, by the way, Say No More was directed by Blake Edwards. If you know the two name, the, the name, it's he's the Pink Panther director. So um, it won an Academy Award for Best Writing, Story, and Screenplay, and uh, I think it's a well a good a good movie. Well, so order Devil's Brigade and then watch uh, Operation Petticoat. Yeah. And depending on your fandom, the release this week at uh, Deep Discount. Twin Peaks, the television collection on Blu-ray, it's the entire thing. So it's 29 episodes that aired on television. Then there was the Return to Twin Peaks limited event series that was written 25 years Are later. Are you a Twin Peaks fan? I began Twin Peaks 
we watched se season one and I was obsessed with the log lady. lady yes. the, yeah, the whole bit. And then I kind of, it, it didn't hold my interest into other, you know. We had the same thing. We'd get togethers every week. We'd, we'd all, people would show up with a log, donuts, cherry pie, whatever. And we'd, <laughs> exactly. we'd get to, my friend Kate would host. We'd all go there and we couldn't wait. And it was great. And then little people came in and all that stuff. It went a little nuts. Yeah, it's... But then people said as, it re, as it's, it's gone on, if you stayed with it, you probably would have... Liked it. Would have liked it, which maybe we should, we no, should no, no. revisit. I have, I, someone said this to me the other day. They, they were talking about a show. They said, if you, you, had, you have to stick through the first four episodes. No, I don't. If you haven't got me hooked on the first yeah. four, why am I going to bother? And, and that's the same thing with this. Like, oh, no, 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 don't do, get through. Back. No, I'm, I'm out. I'm, I did like Twin Peaks, though. Yeah. So it's uh, so head over to uh, Deep Discount, Own Your Passion. Get there by going to focusgroupradio.com. Click on the Deep Discount logo and start shopping away. We like it because we get credit. The uh, the new release this week is Twin Peaks, the television collection on Blu-ray. For the salute, the military sale, John picked Operation Petticoat on Blu-ray, and I picked The Devil's Brigade. So uh, some good, two good World War II movies there. Right, Garrett? Thanks, Deep Discount. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about how the power suit has lost its power. So Ooh. stay with us. You're listening to The Focus Group with Tim and John. Learn more at focusgroupradio.com. Focus on the savvy side of 9 to 5 with The Focus Group. Try, really try. Listen, laugh, and learn with Tim and John. I never try anything. I just do it. <laughs> Welcome back to the Focus Group. During our little break, Tim and I were laughing about the clip that he mentioned before from the Devil's Brigade. Hey, focusgroupradio.com is the URL, the URL. Did we decide what that meant? We did. Someone told me this. The boys knew. It's already, look, it's gone in here and it's come out here. Something, something record locator. <laughs> universal. I don't remember. Yeah, universal resource locator. Ah, uh, okay, okay. An URL. URL. Focusgroupradio.com. All right. Um, article came out recently. It's called How the Power Suit Lost Its Power. The suit was once the uniform of the powerful and a requirement for every man. Now people mostly wear suits when they're in trouble. <laughs> That's interesting because the article kicks off with the time that back in April of 2018 when Mark Zuckerberg uh, made a rare public appearance on Capitol Hill wearing a suit. Um, and the uh, the woman who wrote this says, you know, and these days when you are not in control, you wear a suit. So it's kind of interesting because he came to testify about all the different ads that were purchased by these phantom entities to affect the election the whole bit. Right. But I think he would have been more in his element had he worn a hoodie, right? Right. Well, the New York Times called it his I'm, I'm sorry suit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I do think men of all different shapes and sizes always look better in a nicely tailored suit. Don't you agree? It's easy. It used to be. Super easy. It used to be that you had gray, navy blue, maybe a gray flannel, and then you had a bunch of white shirts or blue or whatever, and then you had ties, and you you just did your match, and you're done, right? But it's, but it's funny. You know, I, I've talked about this before. If you look at Buzzer TV and then some of the old TV land or whatever, mm -hmm. those other me TV, people wore suits to go to the movies. Yeah. You wore a suit. Everybody put a suit and tie, no matter what your job was really yep. white collar you wore a suit and tie and we when we first started out working ourselves we always wore suits and ties and you interviewed with a tie on but lately if you show up at work with a suit on they think that you're either interviewing or going to a funeral oh she says the suit has become a uniform for the powerless she uses that a lot in the article um and then she goes on to say, or the author goes on to say, when you're in control, at least in relative control, from the C-suite down to the long rectangular table in the open-air office, you wear whatever you want, which is almost never a suit. It is the, va the vest or bomber jacket for men, a blouse or a shell top for women. Americans are also buying fewer suits, period. U.S. revenue for men's suits declined to $1.9 billion in 2018 from $2.2 billion in 2013. That's still high. Yeah. I think. Um, the total number of men's suits sold in 2018 was 8.6 million or about 0.7 suits per man. How do you even report a statistic like that with a straight face? 0.7? What did you get the pants and half a, half a jack? I mean, yeah. <laughs> 
I own, how many suits do you own? Currently, I have three or four, but I can't remember the last time I wore one. Well, last time I wore one, I came up here for something with you. We were, we were visiting a client, but I didn't wear a tie. Oh yeah, you and I went to you and I went to some event. Yeah, yeah, and I, I you had uh, a blazer around with your pants and and. Slides. But we didn't have yeah, but I and that's my new thing is navy blue blazer, always that can match with like gray slacks or even with jeans, but that's the closest I come to a suit nowadays. The last time I wore a suit was to a funeral. Yeah, and I, and I felt that was very appropriate actually to look to look that way. But, um, but if you were going to a job interview, oh, that's the sticky wicket. Now they claim if you don't do your R&D and try to look like the staff at the company you're going to. And you just show up. You, you did that once. You showed up in, in a suit and tie and you're like, why are you yelled at me? Yeah. And I said, well, I'm working. Yeah. <laughs> and where I work, we wear a suit and tie. Yeah. So you I'm did coming have- here at lunchtime, mm-hmm. unless you wanted me to change. Yeah. Guy was an ass. <laughs> he lost his job soon after. Did you really? Much to my pleasure schadenfreude yeah happy the laughter at misery of others ass. he said to me he wanted me to uh he said yeah you take your time he said but i'm giving you an assignment during the interview if you're like if you were a what's the billboard for tim bennett if i drove down the oh street, the i remember you told me that i said i don't need any time what did you say i said i don't need any time what was your billboard he wanted me to i don't know what he wanted to do whether he wanted to go to the bathroom or what he wanted me to sit and contemplate this billboard i said i don't need any time He's like, you don't? I said, no. He goes, well, what would your billboard say? I said, Tim Bennett, I'm busy. (laughs) As he was writing on a post-it note. So here's the thing. I don't think well in situation. I I don't have, I I, I can be fast and I can be quick, but in a situation like that where someone throws an oddball, like a curveball like that, first, if you co- if you wear a suit to an interview and you're not supposed to wear a suit, that's going to throw you off the rails, right? Like, okay, now I didn't dress. Well, he right. said to me, "Why'd you?" He goes, "Oh, you're in a suit." I said, "Yeah." I said, "I'm coming from work. I have a." And I always a thought the suit and tie was the fallback. You'll look anywhere you go, you'll be fine. Well, this guy, a lot of people there had suits on. This was a marketing department where they didn't, and he was loosey goosey. But everybody else had but everyone suits. Everyone else did. So he, okay. he was just being an ass in my opinion. If you expect somebody to come on their lunchtime yeah. from another company, from another company, yeah. and this is how you dress up the other company, don't expect me to go into your bathroom and put on a pair of jeans and a and a and another shirt. Yeah. I don't know. I just thought that was foolish. So there's that that throws you off. And then then the the odd the question which hey, it's legit. He could ask whatever he wants, but that kind of what would your billboard be? Yeah, if you're John Nash, John Nash, I'm driving down the street and there's a John Nash billboard. What does it say? Eat at Joe's. <laughs> I mean, like, what are you going to like? It's, eat at Joe's. I mean, yeah. Was there a right answer? Take, take your time. Was there a right answer? Did you ever? I guess I didn't get it because I didn't get the job. But I, um, I'm sure he wanted, to, you know, it's, it's one of those how many red balls are there in Canada? Oh, the questions. Go- the Google questions. Yeah. yeah, but it was you know. So, what's your billboard say? But I don't think he liked the fact that I didn't let him have time to go off and do what he wanted to do, because I needed to get out of there. So oh, I, I oh he hour. wanted to give you the Take assignment. All the time you need. He was going to walk out of the interview, which I is had, actually not cool. I, I, there's a billboard. I'm driving down the street. What does the billboard for Tim Bennett say? And take your time. You can take all the time you need. I'm. I, I said, I don't need any time. <laughs> Because I think he wanted to get up and he was going to go have a little bite to eat. Whatever he was going to do, I think he thought he was going to come back in 15 minutes and I was going to have some, you know, amazing billboard. But I told him I had the billboard done already. I'm busy. I'm busy. (laughs) (laughs) Did you get that offer? A job offer to not come through. Well, he said, what does that mean? And I said, it means that you constantly have to be doing something and learning. And you need to keep yourself busy. You need to keep yourself on top of things. I don't know. It was off the top of my head. I tell you, this whole thing of finding a job, what we were talking about earlier in the show about college essays, it's mind-numbing. You know, some of the jobs we got were because someone took pity on us or they liked us. They thought we were funny. Yeah, they'll fit in. They'll, they'll learn. My second job out of- Hire for attitude, you teach for skill. My, my second- for skill. Perfectly said. My second job out of college, I went to take a typographer's test at this ad agency because I could set type thanks to the college paper I work for. And the woman that was giving the test, Andrea, was a sweetheart. 
And she saw that I wasn't the fastest typer, but I definitely knew the commands. So she's watching, and when when the guy was kind of proctoring this HR test, walks out, she goes, F6, F6. And she starts like under her breath telling me what buttons to push, comes back, he looks at this great. A couple days later, I got an offer to, t to, to get the job. And when I started, when I started there, Andrea personally had me sit next to her, and I'm like, Andrea, I think I owe this to you. And she laughed. She goes, No, she goes, I liked you the minute you walked in. She goes, Learning a couple keys, you could do that in a day, you know. But apparently, they didn't like everybody else. But see what I mean? Like, yeah. someone shows you a nice little like, Yeah, we like you. Come on in. Now you're writing essays, and you're at, you're coming up with billboards. I did read in Inc. Magazine had a fascinating article. This guy who hires people, he said. His most fascinating thing happened recently where he asked a young woman, tell me something about yourself that I wouldn't figure out or know from all the stuff that we've looked at. And she actually had the best answer. She, she said, I recently did, like she talked about some of her travels, some of her passions, but it was a very personal answer. Like you would not know this, but um, I was my dad's favorite or, you know, like, <laughs> and he said, you know, it was so honest and so unscripted that he gave her the job. Um, she qualified for it, but he thought that she was so able to just pick that stuff out and not be like a program robot and say, in my last job, I did this, she, you know. But that doesn't work for everybody. So I'm wondering if somebody asks you that question, is it supposed to be a personal answer or something about work, I wonder? Tell me something that nobody knows about you. I mean, is, was that kind of the, was that kind of the... And you, the minute you said it, I just wanted to like... like <laughs> hmm... Yeah, and and how personal do you get in that answer, right? Like, because uh, you could, you know, you're not going to tell an interview. Well, people might, but uh, that's the kind of ones where you just want to come out with the most foul thing on the planet. <laughs> Don't you wish? Tell me something nobody knows about you. I just played myself in the bathroom <laughs> before I shook my hand. Before I shook your hand, stall three. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I put my hand on my pants and my junk before I shook your hand. Can you imagine? You're hired. <laughs> <laughs> you almost want to do that, though, when someone asks you. <sighs> I, I, Tim loves this story. When I, I interviewed at BlackRock, which used to be the home of CBS Records, I think it's like 52nd and 6th Avenue, and I had my cheap little gray suit on, my polyester red tie, my big artist portfolio with a zipper that ran around and you have you know and i was and clearly the woman interviewing me was she was forced to do it by a, a, a superior she's sitting there and this is when people could smoke in their yeah. offices she says cigarette Which is always great they have the cigarette and comes in the smoke is coming off and it. she said let me see your work <laughs> flaps it down <laughs> zipper <laughs> student work student work student work Drag. student work and i'm 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 still a senior in college yeah student work all right all right then she flips it closed all right you know a few things Student work. Student so, you know, work. tell me, you know, tell you what, be, be, you know, like what excites you as a person? Yeah, you're talking to a senior in college in a cheap gray suit and a polyester red tie. And I'm like, well, you know, hanging out with my friends and going to the movies. Because besides hanging out with my friends and going to the movies, and she's like, all I wanted was to get out did of you get there. The job? No, I just, I go back upstairs to the executive that sent me down. He goes, how did you like so and so? I said, I don't think it went really well. Student work, student work, student work, student work, student work. I will say this. It it <laughs> it completely turned me off to this idea of modeling yourself some way to work for a company. Because you meet people like this, you're like, wait a minute, if you've got an axe to grind. And I know you took it so personally. You, I was very upset. Oh, I, I could upset. just, you'd be upset now. That was a couple weeks after I was flown down by Lord and, because I was one of the students. Remember I That's told you the this, job you should have taken. Lord and Taylor Merchant. Could have been a merchant. Right down here on 34th and whatever. And getting a, getting my pink slip as retail goes in the toilet. Listen, but you know. I pissed off a lot of kids who went for that because I didn't want to do it. And they knew, but I passed through all the interviews and I was actually offered a job at Lord & Taylor. So I don't know. We're in New York? Yeah, right. The flagship store on yeah, Fifth you Avenue. Done, you should have done well, that. By down. the way, you don't want to work there. It's a rabbit warren. Have you gone to, have you seen the offices of a department store? The yeah. spare space. If you can't sell something, yeah. then you could put a desk there, and that's your office. It was like all the things behind things, little narrow offices where people sat with like two feet of space, no window. I turned down a job at a PR firm in D.C. that did government public relations. Mm. And I often wonder, had I done that, how things would have been different for me. I don't know. I think the steel... $10,000 less than the steel company. I think the steel company was a far better... 
Well, I went for the money in the car. <laughs> it sounds but like I wonder if I had stayed, I wondered, right. I, you know, I love DC and I, wonder, I always wondered, I, I certainly wouldn't have had the, the career probably I had at Subaru and all those other things of who you met along the way. So, but I often wonder what would have happened. You know, it's, it's one of those things oh, of my. luck that comes in or intercedes. So, so let's take that example of the, that. If you took the Lord and Taylor job, you probably would have never had your own agency. Yeah. And, and let's take the example of that CBS interview. Let's say that woman was in a great mood. She wasn't smoking a Benson Hedges light one trillion, whatever it was, with the ash hanging off and that ash tape was stuffed with butts. <laughs> and and let's say it was a good interview and she knew that I was a student, but she liked who I was and maybe I want to be an art director at CBS Records. No, I, actually I would have been like a production artist or an assistant of something. Where would you go, right? You, it, it's fascinating to me, those things that occur. And, um, and actually my very first job out of college was working for an Orthodox Jewish company out in Brooklyn called Cosmos Forms. And I was an art director designing business forms. Remember the triplicates yeah. and the carbon lists? The summon had to do those. And I learned all about the Orthodox culture and I worked with some great people. And I was, uh, what was I on Friday? I was the Shabbos Goy. So on Friday, yeah, they leave, but I was the last one to leave because I had the keys and I could lock up. And, and then that led me to Manhattan. And then from there, you know, it's just, it's, it, it is when you look back, right? There's How, a lot of luck that gets involved. Not always, not always good luck. <laughs> <laughs> true. Luck true. Yeah. So thanks to, uh, thank you, John. Thank you. Thanks to uh, Garrett and uh, Robbie, Bobby and Steve, our boys in the booth. Thank you for listening to us here on the focus group be sure to catch us every wednesday at 1 p.m east also our tuesday podcast which is tfg unbuttoned thanks to our friends at deep discount it's a salute the military sale if you go to focusgroupradio.com click on the deep discount logo i picked the devil's brigade john picked operation petticoat and the new release this week is twin peaks the television collection we hope you all have a good week and remember don't text and drive arrive alive see ya It's The Focus Group with Tim Bennett and John Nash. Accessible on all platforms. Subscribe, like, and rate us on your platform of choice. Learn more at focusgroupradio.com. That was a stunning focus group.